0: Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. This morning I'm speaking with Christine Palamadesi-Moore and Carol Bonomo Albright. The two collaborated on the book American Women, Italian Style. It's an anthology on the history of Italian women in America. What inspired you to take on this topic?
1: This is Carol. Uh, I had published uh, another anthology with Fordham in 2008, which became a Fordham bestseller. Wild Dreams was the title. It was a collection of short stories, poetry, and memoirs by Italian-American authors. And I realized from its uh, success that there was an audience out there. So I thought it was time for another collection.
0: Now, Carol and Christine, how did you two end up coming together? This is
2: Christine. Carol and I were collaborating on a a lot of writing. Carol's the editor of the uh, Italian Americana, and I came on board as a senior editor maybe in 2000. And we, we have a very
0: fine working relationship.
1: And a great friendship. And a great friendship.
0: That's wonderful. So how did you two decide which authors to put in this anthology?
1: This is Carol. Well, we looked for, obviously, the most interesting articles, So there's an incredible um, range of topics from uh, literature to music to art.
0: To food. (laughs) To food,
1: that's right, to uh, work, marriage, children.
0: There was one aspect, one chapter of the book that dealt with a sculptor who started out as a immigrant but then just came into her own. And that was, and I, I, I'm I, not okay. going to get this name, Conchetta, so I need Conchetta, this is Christine, Conchetta Scarabaglione.
2: Tell me about her life. So she was actually a child of an immigrant, so her parents were the immigrants. Um, they were from southern Italy, and she kind of rounds up a lot of what we've been talking about today. She was the youngest child of nine. Um, everybody in the family depended on the children to work and her father died when she was young so everybody was expected to pitch in and help in the economy of the family. She wanted to go to art school and everyone in the family would have preferred that she became a secretary, so not an artist because that's a um, not very a uh, reliable income. So she was a New Yorker, she went to the Art Student League, She studied with some very well-known sculptors at the time, and she ended up uh, being the very first woman, and she's this is a really remarkable fact that a lot of, it's just not common knowledge, she was the first woman to actually get the Prix de Rome from the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, so she got a scholarship to study in Rome, uh, all paid for, um, where she collaborated with other artists while she was there and she also was involved the federal art project in the 30s
0: now isn't one of Conchita's sculptures I think in the book you call it a relief but uh, isn't it used by the United States as the symbol for agriculture in in Washington DC there's a picture of two
2: workers in a field harvesting wheat which the artwork was influenced by her visit to her family's hometown in Calabria when she saw the peasants harvesting the wheat so she has a relief On the Federal Trade Commission building. She also uh, did it. There's a relief on the Post Office Department building in Washington.
0: And and she's a New Yorker. I mean, Conchita's a New Yorker whose work can
2: be found all over the city. She had a loft in Greenwich Village. She taught at uh, Vassar. I think. Fasser. She has a, in New York, in the Tishman building, there's one of her. Modern Sculptures,
0: where she deals with the relationship of space and form. I think what inspired me about her is when I read um, not too long before she passed away, she was still discussing sculptures that she wanted to create. And she wasn't, you know, a little older, you know, maybe a little slower. You can't get around as much. But she was still thinking about creating. And I think that's the thing that inspired me. Right, right. And, Carol, did uh, any particular uh, section of the book speak to you?
1: Well, I have to admit I really do view it as the articles as my babies, and I do love all of them. But <laughs> So it's not fair to tell you to choose, but. But having said that, um, I think one that I would couple with another that really struck me is the one by um, the psychologist Elizabeth Messina, she conducted, in 1992, a group therapy sessions involving nine Italian-American women uh, who ranged in age from their 70s to their 90s. So basically, they were born around the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And they were children of poor immigrants whose lives were marked by heroic suffering and personal sacrifice. And, and they lived here
0: in little Italy, Manhattan, correct? Yes,
1: and uh, certainly... Uh, From my generation, I could relate to that because my grandmother was one such immigrant. And uh, the most salient fact in their lives was that it was dominated by hard work just to survive economically. And older children were responsible for younger ones since both parents were working uh, to such an extent that their responsibilities precluded their going to school for very long. And on the one hand, such extreme responsibilities gave the women a sense of autonomy, but studies also found that such lives stifled the women, obviously, their educational goals and very hard for them to develop an adult interdependent relationship with their spouses. Couples were incapable of putting feelings into language or of perceiving the uniqueness of a spouse's needs apart from their own. One such instance, uh Messina quotes both the women directly and then gives her analysis of um their comments as a group. One woman complained that her husband never complimented her on her cooking. You know, she said just his saying, "Oh, what a good meal," would have satisfied her. Instead, what he says, and it would be funny if it weren't so poignant, In response to her request for him to tell her he likes a meal, he says, you see the dish empty? That's a compliment. The empty dish says it all.
0: This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon, discussing the book American Woman, Italian Style, with Christine Palamadesi Moore and Carol Bonomo Albright. Christine, tell me about the trauma of immigration.
2: Well, there's a wonderful article in the book by Mary Ann Menino, who teaches at Temple University, and it's about... Um, the trauma of immigration, the psychological consequences um, of transposition, she calls it. It's uh, When the immigrant arrives, and this is very true to the current immigrants as well, the immigrants we see from Brazil or Central America or, or Africa, is that the, the first immigrant is very busy and intent upon surviving, finding an economic place for themselves. Um, they really don't often have support systems, they're not familiar with the methods of expression in America, they haven't been Americanized, and they often come from great poverty and sometimes political persecution, and they are very busy surviving. Um, And what happens is they never learn to express affection, in many cases, to the children. And this has been seen in subsequent generations, first and second generations, as something similar to post-traumatic stress disorder, where the daughter and mother uh, do not always develop a supportive, loving, caring relationship because the mother is very busy, the mother does not express a lot of empathy, and also issues of separation when the daughter does want to separate from the immigrant Parent, it's seen as rejection.
0: And I would also guess that if if there is a large family, the mother is busy. But then each daughter is responsible for the next child, and then the next child. Right. So they're even busy. Right. They are too busy to show this affection.
2: Right. So the method of uh, of of expression are not immediate in an immigrant in terms of the larger culture of America, and often there's anxiety, lack of affection, numbness, and the author, Marianne Menino, looks at two novels and characters in the novels, Blue Italian and Umbertina, and uh, takes the main characters and kind of goes through this psychological phenomena of uh, transpositioning.
0: So up until now, these women's lives sound really harsh, and they sound like they're at a disadvantage. And this can't be true of everybody's experience. So this question is for either of you. What did Iona Professor William Egelman's article tell us about immigrant Italian women?
1: He did an analysis of the 2000 federal census. And in terms of Italian-American women, when you compare them to the general population, coming from those beginnings they now have the highest percentage of professional degrees and the highest earning power over $250,000 a year compared to the general population that's an extraordinary kind of uh, growth that has occurred so i i like coupling in my mind those two uh, things. We, we obviously go from immigrant times to the present in the book, and I think that's one of the um, assets of the book.
0: In the anthology, American Woman, Italian Style, there's a section about the Italian Mothers Club. So tell me about the author and the, her section of writing.
1: Uh, This is Carol. The Mother's Clubs uh, were just wonderful. The author uh, is a historian from uh, Pennsylvania, Lorette Treese, and uh, just the originality of thinking, of studying this, was what initially struck me when I accepted the article. And, um... What she does is she looks at Italian mothers' clubs in New York City in the thirties and forties. The clubs were founded by uh, Edna Farabagoli, a second-generation Italian American who worked for the YMCA. I said YMCA; it was the YWCA, the uh, women's uh, group. And um, the the clubs addressed the isolation of these early immigrant women. And their language deficiency. Uh, So they also, though, fostered leadership skills of those who wished to take such roles. And they also broadened the women's outlooks by uh, Farabagoli would. have visits to various places like the New York Times, Rockefeller Center, and even Fordham Library.
0: So what was the connection between the Italian Mothers Club that they had in New York City and the play, Why It's Mother?
1: Uh, the women uh, wrote and performed plays for the community. And one aspect of the play that I find very interesting is that the wife in the play to help cure her husband's hypertension, changes her husband's diet to American food instead of the traditional Italian fare she had been preparing. Now, in the play, he loses weight on this diet and his hypertension disappears. Both being overweight and eating Italian-style meals were viewed at that time as un-American. Now, looking back from the vantage point of 75 years later, we now know that the Mediterranean diet, with its emphasis on olive oil, vegetables, fruit, et cetera, is superior to what mainstream Americans ate at that earlier time. And part of the unstated function of the women's clubs, you know, with Farabagoli employed by the YWCA, was to make the women... Uh, more like mainstream Americans, not that Farbagoli herself initiated such an attitude as a matter of fact, she encouraged the women to retain their traditional folk music and dances and to take pride and identity uh, from them and they they would perform um, but Farbagoli, like all of us, were products of our historical time and and she kind of um, also has this attitude about americanization which is an important uh... function but the denouement of the play actually tells us what its stated message is rather than the the tacit message uh... the stated message is how to cope with the empty nest syndrome which the italian mother was experiencing And by the end of the play, the mother involves herself in a more public activity by joining her apartment building's board. Her English has improved. She's become president of the board. And her children, who have been off on their own, this empty nest syndrome, uh, they exclaim in unison to their father's question as to who the new president of the board is, why its mother. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Not everyone was in favor of the Americanization or of the um, italian M- mother 's club the husbands Some husbands weren 't too happy with their wives taking off and taking time away from the family. Is that correct?
1: This is Carol. Uh, yes, they certainly wanted their meal on time and and no disruption. Uh, but uh, as far as I can tell from the article, there weren't major uh, disputes about it in terms of men forbidding their wives to attend. Now, maybe uh, in actuality, aside from the women who Lorette Treese learned did attend, maybe there were some who were forced to drop out, but we, we have no way of knowing this.
0: Uh... So, Carol, why did membership in the Italian Mothers Club eventually die out?
1: Well, times were changing. Assimilation was occurring, and uh, there was less need for it. The children of the immigrants, which would be my mother's generation, um, they were, first of all, more Americanized, having attended public schools or, or Catholic schools. They worked perhaps outside the community, which was unusual for say their mothers if their mothers had worked they probably walked to work in some to some factory in the neighborhood so these women were seeing uh, another aspect of america that wasn't open to their mothers and they really didn't need the things that the clubs uh, the purpose of the club served
0: Are there any clubs now that bring together Italian-American women?
1: Well, you know, I recently learned that there is um, a club in Florida. It's just Italian-American women. Of course, there's the National Organization of Italian-American Women. They have chapters all over. So there are still such entities.
0: How important do you think they are to keeping the culture understood? Well, this the culture is Um
2: I know that there are a lot of Italian-American clubs. Say, for instance, in Boston, we have La Dante Alighieri Society, and actually that's a national, I mean, actually, it's an international organization, and their goal is to keep the Italian cultural heritage alive for immigrants of all nations. Say they're in Australia, they're in New Zealand, they're in England, they're in Scotland, they're in the United States, and they offer... Italian lessons in Italian language for young children. They bring in artists, singers, performers from Italy and uh, that's for the membership and they show Italian movies, they have Italian events. So um, it does keep alive the, the ancestral memories and I think that's important for any ethnic group to have ancestral memories that are shared.
0: I'm Robin Shannon on 90.7 WFUV speaking with Christine palamadesi Moore and Carol Bonimo Albright about the book American Woman Italian Style. What do you think of TV shows like the now canceled Sopranos or the MTV's uh, Jersey Shore and the arguably not so favorable images that they depict of Italian Americans? Well, What's your is opinion Christine, about that? Again. Well, the Sopranos were like potato
2: chips, you know, once you started you couldn't stop. And I think that they're fictional. Did you watch? Of course. They're fictional characters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with something like the Jersey Shore, is a reality show. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not fiction. And to play upon the fact that this is reality and this is the way people are rather than fiction, I find it very difficult. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, I think it was a very difficult show to watch. Uh, Young people, of course, liked it because it was a lot about dating and sex and... uh, And it was probably, what, third generation, fourth generation. So there's a problem there with presenting an image of Italian-Americans that is more realistic and more, like Carol said, like mentioned the... Uh, percentage of professional Italian American women, the uh, the income earning capability of Italian American women are very high in comparison with the general population. And do we know that from watching the Jersey Shore? No. Right.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd like to jump into a comment on those two programs because they're iconic at this point. Uh, I had been t- teaching Italian American studies at Harvard Extension School and. One of our students, who was a graduate student getting her Ph.D., watched The Sopranos. This was in their uh, third season. And so I thought, gee, maybe there is something to this program. So I started watching. I watched, you know, the first few seasons as well. And I related very much to the whole family dynamics that was shown there. That was very uh, familiar to me. Uh, the violence, obviously, I, I didn't like, but I thought that um, in terms of the family, he certainly uh, captured the Italian American family. Uh, not in all its aspects, and some of the aspects he he covered, I'm not sure were anything more than hype to sell the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Jersey Shore, I haven't seen the program, but on purpose. Yeah, it doesn't interest me to watch dumb people being dumb. And that's my idea of the show. I may be totally wrong. But what struck me was Richard Gambino's book, Blood of My Blood, written in 1974, is is all about his concern that Italian young Italian-Americans will not know their heritage in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And that's what these people to me seem to reflect. So for them, being Italian American is being dumb and uh, having big hair and big breasts and, and gum. hands. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, so I, I think But they're not
0: they're not taking away any of the culture, any of the, the respect and the pride. Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, what I think is most important is they're not utilizing the beauty of the culture. <laughs> they're going for the dumb, not the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I can understand why they don't know the culture. Uh, certainly, the Italians who came over initially were illiterate peasants for the most part. And so they didn't know their history or sense that they had a culture. Uh, And so nothing has been imparted to these people, and they've never been exposed to it in a school situation or by doing their own reading about it. I know when I was in school, I always perked up whenever something about Italians was was mentioned, you know, and I, I read about Garibaldi when I heard about him in school, even if he wasn't presenting more than a passing reference to him. Uh,
2: And now we have Lady Gaga, we have Madonna, you know, John Travolta. (laughs) I guess that's
0: who the young kids kind of think of. Oh, they're Italian. Right. So then uh, I'm I'm going to ask both uh, Carol and Christine this question. Um, What suggestions do you have for maintaining cultural identity and cultural awareness
1: this is Carol. I'm a reader, so uh, you know, I think that if some of this information could be presented in, in schools and in the early grades, I mean they teach um, my grandchildren are in a Connecticut public school. They teach Spanish language from kindergarten. You know, wouldn't it be nice if kids could select what language? They uh, want to study at that level, and, and study of language always includes culture. Uh, parents are very important. If they don't educate themselves, then there's no hope that the children will be educated about it. So well, This is Christine.
2: I think that you know th- that's, that's right, Carol. I think it has to come more, I think more from the family from the school district, because most school districts aren't going to offer Italian. But, you know, the family can join Italian-American clubs or take their children to Italy or just look at books together with the children, read.
1: And Christine, did you want to say something about the filmmaker Nancy Savoca?
2: Nancy Savoca,
1: yes. I guess when we're talking
2: about the Jersey Shore and uh, when we're talking about... uh, the Italian American American in TV and media. And where often we see Italian American women, the Madonna whore complex. We see that in Lady Gaga and Madonna and a lot of films in The Godfather where you know you have the good wife home watching washing the dishes, taking care of the men, or you have the daughter gone astray. Mm-hmm. And the woman um, who's a little promiscuous
0: right, compared with the right. woman who's the good girl.
2: Right, exactly. And Nancy Savoca is a Italian American filmmaker who grew up right around here, Morris Park in the Bronx, Hmm. and she made three major films, Household Saints in 1993, Dogfight in 91, True Love in 1989, and a lot of her films deal with a lot of sensitivity of the male, how the male finds his place and also the lack of communication between the sexes, the rituals of bonding, the the Italian-American rules between the male and female. Um, in the movie True Love, it's, which is about marriage, a couple is being married, but there's always separation between the, 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 the man and the woman. He wants to go out with friends, he wants to spend time with his mother, and you see this as walls between them, and even in the end at their actual wedding, he wants to go out with his friends on the wedding night. Yes, rather it's a poignant. It's it's, it's very seemed. sad. It's very sad, and you see her in a stall in the ladies' room in her gown, crying with these walls around her, which is symbol symbolic of the culture, kind of allowing the man to go do what he wants to do. And not. because this has
0: been tradition, it's the Accepted. ritual
2: that goes on between the male and female, and perhaps the lack of communication between the male and female where you have expected roles to do in the family and uh, again the immigrant trauma the post the post-traumatic stress disorder where the children of immigrants who've been poor and maybe the parents have been just focused on surviving and creating a home create you know getting a mortgage doing all the things that you have to do to be an American capitalist that they didn't have time to speak nurturingly with to their children to develop a mode of communication that is gentle, that is supportive, that is actually truth, speak their truth.
0: What personal experience did you come away with once this book was finished? Well, when I was a child, and uh, I think it was fourth
2: grade, they passed out. That's when you started to learn history and geography. It wasn't social studies. It was separate history and geography. And I remember the nun passing out the history books. And you know i'm I just i was I was such a reader. I read a book a week or maybe two books a week. I was just constantly reading and always searching out stories about women uh, and so I remember being so excited getting the history book, and I looked through it, I looked at the index, I flipped through it, I looked at the table of context contents, and I said, uh, "Where are the stories about the women? Where are the girls' stories in here?" And I remember the nun laughing and saying, "Well, I guess." You're going to have to write them. And so I feel that by putting this book together with Carol, that I have written something about the history of American women and women, and uh, I'm very proud of it. So it means so much to me for that reason.
0: And the same question uh, for you, Carol?
1: Yes, I think for me it was a matter of validation of all those unnamed immigrants who, from my point of view, were so heroic. Uh, You know, I do remember my grandmother. That was the only grandparent I had. And uh, she came over as a young woman with three children, was widowed. Uh, You know, this family story is within a week she had a job and was working. And... um, They are unsung, and they're unsung heroes as far as I'm concerned, so that it was a way of um, giving voice to them and that uh, subsequent generations, I hope that we have uh, honored them by our actions. So I think that's what it means to me. And, you know, to go back to to one question uh, that you asked about what can be done to sort of educate uh, italian american children about their heritage uh... i i have to give a plug to my journal uh... italian americana which uh... publishes um... the history and culture uh... of italian americans and i would hope that people would read it and and similar books, um Magazine, so, you know, so. And maybe
0: pass that on to their children so they exactly. can pass it on to their children's children.
1: And this is Christine, and there's
2: the italianamericana.com webpage, which is full of uh, history and uh, art and uh, film reviews. And foods of affection And foods of affection stories, stories uh, a wonderful webpage.
0: My thanks to Christine Pelamadesi-Moore and Carol Bonomo Albright, The book American Woman, Italian Style, Italian-Americans Best Writings on Women is from Fordham Press. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Stay with us. George Bodarki and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.